0: Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne.
1: And I'm Alice White.
0: And Alice, we've got one heck of an episode today about a classic Disneyland attraction.
1: Yes, we do. Just like Those Happy Places episodes of old, we are going to break down a specific attraction, tie it into a larger theme, and... Bring it around to something that has to do with with the uh, with the real life, the outside of. Uh... <laughs> outside of theme parks
0: oh i've heard of the real life the real outside life. of theme parks i know uh, we don't
1: often we don't often go there but we've got <laughs> some uh, real world uh, things to talk about in this episode and i'm really excited to get started
0: yeah this is this is a very classic those happy places format and i guess i guess we should just kind of jump in by talking about the concept of the day so alice what is our word of the day
1: the word of the day is retrofuturism. <laughs> Retrofuturism—it's uh, a—it's an idea. It's a, a movement, really, in in art or in uh, fiction that shows the influence of depictions of the future as produced in an earlier era. So, um, if if futurism is a is looking at. The future and anticipating what will come, retrofuturism is remembering that anticipation of the future as set in the past. Does that make sense, buddy?
0: It makes sense to me. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of different retrofuturist aesthetics and uh, various uh, time periods that are focused on, but I think there's a uh, there's kind of a uh, inclination towards. A certain uh, retrofuturism of the 1950s, at least at, at Disney parks, which is what we're talking about today.
1: Right. Since, uh, since go Disney, ahead. since Disney was opened in 1955, the retrofuturism of a Disney park would be uh, what 1955 Disneyland goers would have perceived of as the future, and nothing is a better example than that uh, than, of course, Tomorrowland.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tomorrowland is is literally supposed to be a futurist utopia, uh, a place that, well, like imagined as a sort of a, a look towards the future, almost instructive and demonstrative in its very nature. It's this idea that there's a place you can go to where the imagination of what the future might be already exists in some form e- even simulated right uh or or as a scale model um we've talked about in the past the, the way that the monorail for example is an example of a uh, a demonstrative idea that disney wanted to make sure Uh, saw the light of day, so they built it. And the monorail is a three-quarter scale monorail. It's not a full-size one. I mean, you can ride it. It's big enough for that. But uh, it's meant to be a demonstration of what the future of public transit might look like. Uh, And that's what a lot of Tomorrowland was originally intended to be.
1: Right. So in in Walt Disney's own words, even, he said he wanted Tomorrowland or what it... In original concept, it was supposed to be called The Land of Tomorrow, and it became Tomorrowland. Um, in the original concept, uh, they... Wanted uh, 1955 to uh, to appear to be 1986. That was the year that they were that they were shooting for. What 1955 Oof. thought that 1986 would look like. In Walt's own words, he wanted Tomorrowland to be a world of wondrous ideas, signifying man's achievements, a step into the future with predictions of constructive things to come tomorrow offers new frontiers in science, adventure and ideals, the atomic age, the challenges of outer space and the hope for a peaceful and unified world And, Love it. and that yeah A-plus. and that's great that's a, a wonderful thing. Walt Disney was often uh, and and still is often revered to this day for his really big idea scopes of uh, of the future. and it was kind of a little bit something of an obsession for him and uh, like he started off, with model trains that moved into a giant monorail. And he started off with this, the Disneyland Tomorrowland as being a, what what would happen in the future? What is, you know, 30 years from now going to, to look like? And that eventually became his prototype or his um, like initial sketches and plans for what eventually would become Epcot. Um, The
0: experimental prototype community of tomorrow yeah which which in its day was a much more ambitious like actual city uh that that eventually kind of you know shrank in scope until it became a theme park but a, a cool theme park nonetheless
1: cool theme park and you can still see a lot of Walt Disney's original sketches and ideas for both Tomorrowland and Epcot um in Disney World I believe uh in in um in 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 the, uh, in the people mover exactly. There's a a model of what Disney wanted a you know a futuristic community to look like, and you can see it while you ride the people mover ride in Disney World. Um, and and all of this comes from as as I just said, uh, from Disney's. It started with his obsession with like model trains and building little models of things that he wanted the world to look like. He had this very specific idea of how. The world of the future should look like. And he wanted nothing more than to have some sort of influence on that. And, uh, like with his model trains and his minor obsession with public transportation systems, um, he had a lot of opinions about uh, <laughs> a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts and plans about, um, about the freeway system specifically in Los Angeles So with all of these thoughts and ideas and plans that he that he had for the future and his obsession with uh, with public transportation systems and the freeway systems in Los Angeles, um, he Walt Disney's idea for um, the ride Autopia was something that came up in the in the original stages of Disneyland and was indeed an opening day attraction.
0: Right, and we're going to talk a lot about Autopia today. And before we get much further into it, Alice, I think we should spend some time praising what is actually a pretty beloved, uh, very ambitious, interesting attraction that unfortunately today we are going to spend a lot of time criticizing.
1: Sure. Sure. That's okay. That's fair. We can we can start for a moment talking about what the appeal of something like Autopia, uh, what of, of, of what Autopia is, and then we can move on to, um, to why and how we're going to uh, <laughs> criticize it a little.
0: <laughs> right. So so what what is Autopia at the end of the day, other than a very linear set of go karts? Um, <laughs> But you know what? There's a lot to be said about a linear set of go-karts. Autopia is full of a couple of things that make it really unique as far as other Disney attractions, especially classic attractions. Um, For example, it is one of the very few steerable to some extent uh attractions at Disneyland. Right. Uh, you do have
1: control over the car as you drive it. I mean there's a center rail to guide you in a straight line. You can only really steer it a few inches in either direction, but you can steer it.
0: Right. And uh you also have control over your acceleration and braking. Uh to start the car you just press the pedal down and to stop it you just let go of the pedal and that's fun. Uh it's fun to make the car go. Uh, especially, I think if you're if you're not old enough to drive a real <laughs> car, um, then Definitely. the car the driving driving an Autopia car feels like a, an adventure, uh, a privilege, uh, <laughs> being welcomed into the world of car drivers. I
1: remember <laughs> going through stages of of uh, of operating the Autopia vehicle. When I was a very small child, I thought the fun of driving the Autopia vehicle was to steer it as many times back and forth as possible so that I would bump into the center rail and jostle the person I was driving with, Um, (laughs) basically to try to crash the car. Um, And then as I got older, the closer I got to driving, I tried harder and harder to keep the car... equidistant with the center rail dead down the middle of the the car so that I never ran into it to anticipate turns. And that was what I thought was what driving was going to be like.
0: (laughs) It turns out it's not like that at all. And I am, I live in constant disappointment, Alice. Uh, No,
1: I, yes, I, (laughs) that driving isn't as simple as, as just pressing one pedal up and down, um, (laughs)
0: And steering just just a little bit. Just a Uh, little bit. It it really, it boggles the mind. I actually remember being small enough to where I couldn't drive the car myself at all. Like I couldn't, I could not reach uh, the pedal. So I would have the wheel and one of my parents would push down on the pedal. And and I remember finally being able to drive my own car and reach uh, both the steering wheel and the pedal and how exciting that was.
1: Yeah, there was definitely a lot of fun to be had as a child on Autopia, and that's where I think the joy of that ride can 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 and should be focused. It is; it should be a, a ride for children to get to to have a chance to be autonomous, to 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 have control over a, a, a car that they normally only see grownups use. It's a, a that that is, I think, the where the very best parts possibly i mean to me the only good parts really of the ride are it's uh, it's a, it's a ride for kids and i think that uh as an adult criticizing the ride for uh, enjoyment value it's a little um unfair of me to be like oh that ride isn't isn't very fun at all because because i'm not a child <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it's and, not and, like, as fun for to... me anymore but I'm not going to uh, not going to advocate for it going away forever and taking it away from children that might want to do it. I just I think there are some fair criticisms to be made about the ride and ways to make it better.
0: Yeah, I mean cuz who who at the end of the day wants to ride around in a go-kart that you can't even really steer and that doesn't go very fast and it's not a race of any kind, it's just kind of an idyllic Drive. It's not a thrill ride at all. Um, it's really just a, a, a pretty darn slow cruise through the scenery of Tomorrowland, whatever that may be in, in the various eras of this ride. Um, and I guess it does feel very small and quaint compared to the rest of Tomorrowland, which I think is kind of notoriously like D ticket and above. Uh, in terms of rides, uh, and and uh, Autopia feels like a solid B or a C minus <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, in in terms of ticket, uh, and it, it just really is not. It, it, unless the thrill is the novelty of driving, uh, it's just not a very thrilling attraction at all.
1: Right. So why isn't Autopia working for today's audience? Other other than the fact that driving the car maybe isn't all that um, novel of a of an idea for most people now uh we you know if you're an adult you can drive if you're a kid in america you've been in a car pretty much every day for uh for for your whole life um why but but other than that like why isn't autopia working why why does it not draw the crowds that it that it used to
0: and I guess I guess if if not just why doesn't it draw the crowds? Um, why exactly isn't it working to forward that that original vision of Tomorrowland? Because Alice Autopia, when it was originally invented, was a futurist ride. It was a vision of the future of America's highways. Uh, when Autopia opened, uh, the president at the time. Ike Lady Killer Eisenhower <laughs> had not yet signed the interstate highway legislation that would connect ultimately all of these United States. The highway was barely a thing yet. And Disneyland and Tomorrowland were an opportunity to demonstrate that bright future that was on its way.
1: Right. It was a uh, how how in in the future we americans can all hop into our individual family owned vehicles and drive from one end of the country to the other and won't that be great when that happens um
0: it sure will be
1: it sure will be and then it happens (laughs) yeah see that's the
0: thing i think that makes this ride so complicated is that uh Unlike uh, Space Mountain, which I know is a much later ride um, and, and Star Tours, which is even more later, but it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't stray into the science fantasy at all. I mean, even the original submarine voyage at Disneyland uh, had an element of the fantastic submarines are a very real thing. Um, Submarines so uh, are
1: a very real thing, but then you would get down there, and there were, you know, shipwrecks and mermaids, even, and and yeah. it had a, a sense of of wonder and fantasy to it. Yeah. And and Autopia, after the interstate highway system became a thing and driving became more common, didn't change or add or do anything to update to a more fantastical or more futuristic future.
0: <laughs> I I would I would disagree, but it's only a soft disagree. Okay. Because attempts attempts have been made to spruce up Autopia. Uh, it has it has gone through several iterations. Not to mention there have been several Autopias at Disneyland alone. That's um, true. At what point we're, we're
1: they have talk- three operating at once?
0: <laughs> right. We're just talking about the one that has survived, of course. But. Um, Alice, you and I grew up with a very different Autopia than the Autopia we see today, even.
1: That's true. When we were, uh, when we were pretty young, uh, the Autopia of our infancy became, uh, became sponsored by Chevron, and they redid and reconstructed pretty much the entire, uh, route, including the cars and, uh, and, and the, um... Queue system and the cars suddenly had names and personalities and um there was videos to watch and uh and things to do in the line and um and new things to see along the drive yeah um, and all sponsored remember, by chevron <laughs> oh
0: yeah yeah i remember the ads that uh Autopia became based on the the talking car ads from Chevron. They kind of had that uh, claymation look and the cars would talk about how great Chevron gas is because it <laughs> cleans them on the inside and and also the outside, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't understand cars. Uh, <laughs> and and I remember going to Disneyland when it reopened and seeing those ads in the queue. I mean, it, they were a little bit more uh, narrative than the original ads that you would see on TV but they they had these really cool letterbox uh spaces that were kind of a 3d environment then they kind of projected the cars onto it's a neat effect i wish that, that there was more of it in disneyland honestly um, yeah
1: it was it was a pretty cool effect and and funny little short stories that the cars would go through about common car problems like uh getting dirt in the grill or uh getting your uh tires caught in mud or something like that yeah
0: i remember really clearly one where a car got pooped on by a bird <laughs> uh and then and then the bird would whistle out like a na 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 Nah, 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 but it was a bird noise uh <laughs> <laughs> but like it's weird, right because those were definitely ads for Chevron uh there in in Disneyland, just kind of there
1: I yeah, but t- to tell you the truth and and listeners might not know this but uh the direct Ads for Chevron and a big attraction sponsored by Chevron, uh, not that unusual for Disneyland or for Tomorrowland specifically. When Tomorrowland first opened, it was pretty much just a collection of kiosks with big um, corporate sponsor uh, like things and things that these corporate... That these uh, corporations would come in demonstrating their brand new technology for anybody that would walk by, and several rides in Tomorrowland have also been sponsored by uh, by large companies. Um, Monsanto, even at one point, had a had a ride that they had sponsored.
0: I, I mean, that's not just any ride, Alice. That's Journey Through Inner Space. That's one of right. The most beloved Omnimover, praise the Omnimover attractions at Disneyland. I mean, like. Journey Through Inner Space, sponsored by Monsanto, that's a yikes for me. (laughs) Um, uh, They they put together a really interesting ride about the benefits of chemicals and the way that you could shrink down and uh, the magic eye of microscopes and all of that, and like, that's huge. It was a beloved attraction, and it did speak to a benefit of the future. And I think what kind of brings Hollow about Autopia to this day and I guess the Chevron sponsorship uh, back then is but that was our reality, right? That was just our normal lives. There was nothing futuristic about uh, Autopia being like powered by gas? Powered by Chevron gas? (laughs) Right.
1: This wasn't um, this wasn't uh, Monsanto trying to show you a future where we, you know, if, if we could shrink you down to a tiny size, you could see atoms and molecules and all of this on and all of this stuff. Look at all of this science and, and this possible future where we could do this. We could shrink down, kind of like a science fiction vibe. Autopia sponsored by Chevron and now by Honda is not showing us a future with futuristic cars it's sho- it's showing us yes this is how cars work now cars are <laughs> cars run on Chevron gas
0: <laughs> these are indeed cars
1: and indeed cars. so i i guess yeah what what rings kind of hollow with uh with Autopia is that it um mm-hmm. instead of a futurist or even retro futurist look at uh, the future of of cars or of transportation, it's just a now transportation system. This is just what we do in America. We drive cars that are run by gas and the gas smells bad and, uh, and it's just a... a, a I don't know, there's nothing futuristic or retrofuturistic about it. It doesn't seem to fit the theme of Tomorrowland. Yeah. I or mean, the old theme of Tomorrowland.
0: Right. And, and and I mean, Autopia became non-demonstrative as soon as the Interstate Highway system was completed. Uh, it remained novel for kids who wanna pretend to drive, I guess. Mm-hmm. And other than that, it didn't serve a purpose to excite or delight uh, future generations uh, or even to inspire. And Alice, you said it's not even retrofuturistic. And I wonder if it even could be. Uh, There's this idea that uh, 1950s retrofuturism is kind of all, you know, sleek Uh, rocket ships and cars with big fins and you know like the way things like everything looked like a rocket ship because the space race was about to kick off and everything was uh streamlined and uh very very uh you know retro chic i don't know how else to describe it (laughs) when we say retro in america we often mean the 1950s because there's such uh, a, a consistent imagery coming out of it and i think if you went ahead and made Autopia look like that, it would just look fakey. I don't think there was ever a time when people were like, boy, oh boy, I sure can't wait for the automobile to really take off. Um, <laughs> the, people were excited about owning a car, but they were excited about what owning a car would mean. Owning a car would mean, uh, you know, ac- access to the rest of the country. It would mean being able to go where you want, when you want. It was an American ideal. It wasn't so much that cars were going to be such a great thing. It was more about you know pack up the whole family in your old uh, oldsmobile. No, that's not right. Uh, pack up the whole family in the in the family truckster and uh, off to Yosemite. <laughs> or like you know it was it was about that big, bright, beautiful uh, access to the natural wonders of the world. And the sad reality, Alice, is that now we. I mean, this isn't my case anymore. My commute is very short, but it used to be really long. And Alice, I know you have a really long commute, too. Now we live outside of the cities that provide us with employment. We spend hours on the road every day polluting our own atmosphere, costing ourselves bundles of money to sit in miserable conditions in not the cars of the future in cars that feel like honestly they are stuck in a past age an age that has caused bad things on a highway system that has also caused bad things and it's kind of hard to look at autopia and all of its cheery wonder towards the automobile and not think like this isn't it (laughs) <laughs> this ain't it chief i've seen it and this is not a future that i'm interested in
1: it's not a future that i'm interested in and and it has indeed in in a way destroyed the future that the that they wanted the the cars cars and gas and carbon emissions have done so much to harm the environment and these natural wonders in this country and this world that we've wanted to discover since we were able to have an automobile to travel to those places and and if and it, it it's just kind of, I don't know, ironic to think that this dream that America had about having an automobile to go visit all of these wonderful things, that the automobiles themselves are helping to destroy the wonderful things they wanted to see. And that Autopia is still run on, it's still operated by little itty-bitty gas-powered vehicles that uh, that spew out bad-smelling gasoline and, and little cloth clouds of smog on their own um are <laughs> Autopia
0: does have its own unique uh, smoggy smell doesn't it it's, yeah you can smell it from like outside of the queue it's bad it's
1: really bad and it's um it doesn't paint to me a few fu- a, a vision of the future of road trips of of you know good times you know with your family in a car it paints this picture of, uh, of a world that where we're still stuck using the same technology that we've been using since cars were invented and there's no, there's no like growth there. And there's so much possibility for growth. Tomorrowland was always supposed to be a place that could show you future technologies that could, um, that could paint Walt Disney's vision of a future where uh, public transportation was, uh, was abundant and space travel was a thing that could happen to anyone. And, and yet, instead, we have a big, giant, corporate-sponsored, gasoline-smelling go-kart ride yeah. <laughs> that just isn't, it's not, it's not right. It doesn't feel right.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely goes against the theme of futurism of Tomorrowland, and I mean Tomorrowland was was always rooted in um, 1955's vision of the future. I mean, like Tomorrowland's architecture is uh, Alice. You know more about this. You did this this research. There's this um, this Googie movement coming out <laughs> of Los Angeles in the fifties that. Uh, they drew really heavily from when they were building Tomorrowland the first time.
1: Right. So Gookie Architecture, um, yeah, it, it started in Southern California, specifically around the rapidly growing um, city of Los Angeles, um, where the the Los Angeles by design from the beginning was a car-focused city. It still is a car-focused city. Our public transportation here is almost non-existent. It's It's not great. Um, and so, it, so when the city was being built around the freeway system, uh, it, businesses had to start building more and more extravagant signage and buildings, and to to be eye catching from the road. You can't distract a driver, but you can put something there that is eye catching that makes the driver go, oh, "I want to pull over and go there." and Googie is then it was started as a kind of a derogatory name for this architecture style um, that is easily seen. It's seen all over Tomorrowland. It's big white structures, lots of arches, big curved walls um, and like uh,
0: wrap around windows and, and like lots of antennas and stuff.
1: Exactly, the Los Angeles International Airport has maybe one of the most famous pieces of Googie architecture right in the middle of it—that big white domed structure. I can post a picture of it on my Twitter later if you want to <laughs> see that, it.
0: That building's just called the Theme Building, right? It is. Where it, it's supposed to be like a, a kind of a theme parky element here in Los Angeles International Airport. Like, uh, it, that's really interesting that there's like so much confluence of architectural, like. Inspiration happening at this same time in sure. this city. Uh- Absolutely. Despite the fact that it's all a little kitschy and I think the derogatory term has has its merit there.
1: Sure, but some pieces of the Googie architecture, one extremely specific example of Googie architecture has hung on all of this time, and you know them as the Golden Arches. This is McDonald's <laughs> Golden Arches. McDonald's was started here in Southern California, and those Golden Arches were built to draw the eye of the freeway driver, to go, what is that? I want to know. And wow. now it's become such a, an icon that you don't even need the sign for McDonald's. You don't even need to say the word McDonald's. I said Golden Arches and you knew what I was talking about. (laughs) And so that um, all of that happened in the, the late 40s, early 50s in Southern California. And Walt Disney had been living in Los Angeles for many years at that point and was watching it happen right before his eyes. He moved to LA in the 20s, 30s and watched it grow from um, from a small, from a not a small town, it was never a small t- town, but from from a, a, a from a, a regular city to a freeway sprawl to an architectural uh, explosion of this futuristic, which is now retrofuturistic futuristic, <laughs> um, look. And so he took that, and he must have been watching it happen right in front of his eyes, and gone, yeah, that's what the future looks like. These eye catching buildings, these. These symbols, these signs, and these corporations—that's what that's what the future is, and so that's what 1955 looked like to him. That's what 1986 looked like to him in 1955, and that idea, that look, and those pieces of architecture went out of style fairly quickly, and then became a symbol of um, of an America or of a California that. that didn't quite live up to the potential that everyone wanted it to when even as, as early as, uh, you know, the 1969 and, um, you know, less than 20 years after Disneyland had opened, suddenly we had been to the moon. We'd seen, you know, we'd seen what space travel looks like. And then we were in the middle of a, of a horrible war in Vietnam and people started becoming really disillusioned with, uh, with America and with corporate culture and, um, and so suddenly, le- literally less before we were able to get to the 1986 that, D- that Disney was imagining, Tomorrowland was suddenly completely outdated and felt um, overly optimistic and overly um, uh, sterile for the world and the future that we in America had found ourselves in
0: yeah, and I, I, you know, I think that's not anyone's fault necessarily from like an original design intention, right? No. But that said, we have talked about this in the past and in a previous episode of all about the amount of time that the world takes to change versus the amount of time that it takes a theme park to change. And sometimes those timelines don't match up. And Tomorrowland is symptomatic of that uh, in its entirety, Uh, One big example that we went back to in that previous episode was Innoventions and how Innoventions was constantly trying to keep up to date and just could not do it because technology would inevitably get to market faster than a theme park exhibit could be designed and implemented. To the point where eventually you were looking at old technology from a few years ago in what was supposed to be a cutting edge demonstration space and oh no, (laughs) it's that same problem again
1: yeah interventions also i think accidentally and again through no one's fault of design uh accidentally ended up um existing in the only like the decade where our technology changed the fastest like (laughs) from the 90s to the 2000s our technology went from no cell phones to pocket computers and um from big giant um like uh room-sized uh computers to um, you know nano chips that could be inserted in a pair of glasses and you can see things in front of your eyes you know like that it went so quickly that interventions in tomorrowland just could not keep up and there was no way that Walt Disney or anyone could have predicted that
0: yeah and and I think so so to bring it back to Autopia then so there there's There's things about it that do kind of represent retrofuturism. There's a little bit of googie architecture all over the place. There's this idea of the great American road trip and kind of filtered through the Tomorrowland lens. There's like uh, billboards with robots talking about their (laughs) burger stand and stuff like that. And the current Honda sponsorship features Azimo, the helper robot that Honda designed, uh, going on a fun road trip with his annoying robot bird friend. In <laughs> Honda uh, concept cars. And isn't that so futuristic? But it's kind of hard not to see that as kind of losing the thread. I mean, Azimo is old news. Uh, Azimo has been old news for years. Azimo was old when he was in Innoventions as yeah. an exhibit. And now he's the focus of an entire attraction him and his annoying bird friend and, and he hangs out with uh, you know concept cars that we're probably never going to see at least not in the states Alice there's a really cool concept car in there it's like a camper uh, with like a little truck it's like big enough to seat just two people and the little truck has a little attachment for a little camper that's big enough to like sleep two people and it just kind of pulled off on the side of the road there and I'm like I want that that's this adorable. ad is working on me <laughs> and then I remember that, you know, sometimes we imagine concept cars and we never see them again. And oh, no, it's happening.
1: The oh. future doesn't
0: look as bright as we imagined. And oh, oh no. Oh, no. I, I think I think Tomorrowland's problem back then is a lot like Tomorrowland's problem. Now, Alice, we were reading an article um, from geez. Was that from the Nerdist?
1: Yeah. The uh, Tomorrowland problem.
0: Yeah. The one that was saying that. uh Tomorrowland doesn't really work anymore because now we're suspicious of technology, and we're suspicious of corporations, and we don't think the way that maybe 1955 America thought that technology will solve our problems. In fact, we kind of see technology as the root of many of our problems, um, mm-hmm. and and that's a kind of awful for poor Tomorrowland. It, it, it can't it can't hope to reverse that. And in the past, Tomorrowland's solution has been to go full-on retrofuturism, to add in more design elements that don't hearken uh, to a bright, beautiful tomorrow, but hearken to somebody in the past's idea of a bright, beautiful tomorrow. Uh, it did that with its most recent major update, which is not that recent anymore. I think it's uh, 98. Am I right about that?
1: Uh, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, the, the 98 refresh of Tomorrowland was very uh, brass and uh, Victorian and kind of steampunky looking. And yeah. I mean, that has a chance to be more evergreen for sure. But it also wasn't like a complete overhaul. There's still a lot of Googie architecture around and it kind of meshes OK, but it also kind of doesn't. And it's hard to admit, but looking back at how we used to look forward doesn't feel quite as fun as looking forward, you know?
1: Yeah. I agree. And (laughs) Autopia (laughs) doesn't
0: and Autopia doesn't fit either of those. Uh, It just looks right here at the now.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: uh, Alice, I think it's time for the part of the episode where we try to fix Autopia.
1: All right. Sure. <laughs> let's let's give it a shot. Uh, you let's- know what,
0: though? I I fear the prying eyes of uh, Disney Imagineers. Uh, I, I, I feel their uh, ears listening to us. Oh, would you goodness. step into my office real fast so that we can we can get these plans done and then we can sell them to them at a premium?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go. Here, I'll get the door.
0: OK. Were you followed?
1: I don't think so. All
0: right, then we can begin. Uh, welcome to uh, Duquesne's Highway of the Future. <laughs> uh, editor's note: Drop in some future-sounding music here. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Alice, I've gone ahead and I've redesigned um, Autopia for you. Oh, great! Uh, it's it's just a it's just a model right now, but as you can see, I've gone ahead and uh, uh, kind of simulated the motion of the... I didn't have time to paint it or to, um, you know, like, simulate people, but you you can see the gist of what I'm going for here.
1: Yeah, you didn't have time to paint it or simulate people, but the the trees are shockingly detailed. Well,
0: I had those left over from the Mad Labyrinth uh, set. Uh, Oh, of course. Anyways, uh, Autopia of the Future, as I uh, envision it, is... uh, Well, it is an all-electric future. Uh, I do think that electric cars are probably the next best step for automobiles in america yes uh and they're really cool there's there's this technology going on where where they um they drive over a charging patch so that they um like while they're waiting to board the next person they get another charge on their battery uh and it's completely contactless it just uses like magnets and stuff it's very neat that's I've seen this work in cool. in, uh, in cell phones, actually. They've got that technology. So we're going to use that. Uh, and so there's no more gas smell. Um, and Alice, a lot of people tell me that they'd like Tesla to be the next sponsor. But honestly, I, I, I don't really want another corporate sponsor. This one's just like a neat, cool design that... Uh, I threw together and that we're, we're just going to roll with this. It, it's free. Uh, there's no corporate sponsorship here. Excellent. Uh, now, there is one big caveat. Uh, I think the Highway of the Future has no human drivers.
1: Oh. so No human drivers.
0: This is actually an Omnimover system. <laughs> 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 Alright, I'm going to break character for a second. Alice, without... <laughs> Without the appeal of driving, is there any point to having an Autopia at all? Like, why should we even update Autopia?
1: Uh, Honestly, because if if driverless cars are where we're going in the future, driverless cars are just in a theme park or just, it's just a theme park ride. It just becomes a dark ride or any other, it becomes the Indiana Jones Jeep is a driverless car. (laughs) I just, there's no... There's no point to update the Autopia into a driverless car, obviously. So electric, it's got to be an electric car.
0: It's got to be an electric car you drive yourself, right? But, yes. but here's the thing. In 10, 15 years, when we look back on this episode, and then we open up our phone and we use our phone to uh, call up Uh, a car from the car subscription service that we're all going to be on in the future we're not going to own cars we're Uh going to subscribe it's going to be like netflix for cars uh (laughs) contact me silicon valley i'm ready uh so you're just going to be like beep boop beep uh it's my car will arrive in time for me to get to work that's great and then you'll just hop in that car and it'll be like where to and you're like oh i already told you in the app i'm going to work and the car will just take you to work there won't even be a person there and then when the car's feeling low on batteries, it'll just drive to its battery station and get a new one. I mean, like, this is this is the future we're probably looking at. It doesn't feel that far away. So if you updated Autopia to be a, an electric car thing, it's going to look really retro in 10 to 15 years. And not retro futurist, because an electric car is not an impressive vision of the future at all.
1: It's no, just it's just a, a, it's just a good alternative car. for what we have now. Right. Right.
0: It's something that exists now that costs more than people would like. So they don't buy them very much. And that's that's all. I mean, it's it's here. You can have one. Autopia <laughs> doesn't need to be that. And I'm, Alice, I'm starting to think that since Autopia was instructive in one very specific way that absolutely came true, but then came true in a way that was kind of less appealing than we imagined, then autopia doesn't really have a future at Tomorrowland.
1: i suppose it doesn't
0: huh <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah.
1: kind of a sad
0: conclusion to come to i suppose i know but like I- I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think up something that would save autopia and it can't be a self-driving version of itself because then the core appeal is gone and the theme of Autopia and the freedom and the uh, connectedness that we'll all feel and the way that a car's like presence can be idyllic and, uh, you know, give you control over your life that, you know, that that won't be that true.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: I'm kind of crying here.
1: <laughs> I have I have another idea. Okay. All right. Here's my idea of how to fix Autopia. Okay. Retrofuturize it. Okay. Okay. So it's now. So I've. Re- so if, if you step over here to this side of your own office. Um, Wait I've, a
0: second. I've Is this also, what you were doing earlier? Yeah. For five so, hours.
1: Yes, I've also redesigned Autopia here you in your office. You didn't answer any
0: of my questions when you were building this model. You kept saying you'll see.
1: And so now you will. And that
0: was last week. <laughs>
1: And, and now yeah. I'm done. So look at it.
0: Okay, I'm looking at it. Oh my god, it's my beautiful. eyes cannot even
1: comprehend the beautiful that you're saying. So here it is. Yes. It's the same Autopia track. Nothing about the track or the center divider has changed. The cars are now completely different. The cars look like very cool '50s sports cars. This is. These are v- like like top of the line designed to look like the coolest car you could drive in the fifties. I don't know anything about cars. So um, insert the name of the coolest car in the fifties you can here. I 57 guess. Chevy. A 57 Chevy. Sure. There you go. Um, <laughs> so there's your 57 Chevy and it's painted like, like a very cool, um, bright red with a stripe down the side. It's got its little wings on the back. Um, it, it, it is now. You are now in the fifties. The car is electric <laughs> because okay. because I don't want the gas smell. So it's it drives like like a car. It drives like a car from the fifties. You'll feel cool when you're doing it. You feel like you belong in your favorite old movie. But, of course, it's an electric-powered electric, uh, a- electric powered little go-kart. You still drive it along the Autopia track with the center rail. You still get all of the control over it. But now, instead of looking at funny little billboards featuring robots, you are looking at miniature dioramas of the great road trip uh, destinations of America. There's the Grand Canyon. There's uh, Yosemite. There's... Um, uh, this is root. This part of it is Route sixty six. This part of it is, um, I don't know, another national park. There, Ooh, you are the you world's are,
0: largest ball of yarn. There
1: is the world's largest ball of yarn in miniature. So it's just a ball of yarn. Oh, um, no, <laughs> but but this is what you're doing now. This now becomes a retro futuristic. Idea of the Great American Road Trip. You are. It is now a uh, instead of soaring over the world or soaring over California, you are now driving through America, and it, it, the soundtrack is cool rock and roll jams from the '50s. Um, you maybe there's a still a little fun off road section that splashes mud or something, and 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 you know just, just like it is now. And you come back around and it's it. And then it's it. That's the end. There's no lesson here. There's no, um, you know, display of what the future could look like. You lean heavy straight into in 1955, when Walt Disney started this park, this is what a road trip through America would have looked like. And, and then you just, and that's just it. It's just a ride now. It's not a lesson. It's not a lecture. It's, It's just a drive.
0: I love it. However, Alice, I want to give you—I want to give you one thing. Okay. We retrofuturize it. It's now a 1950s sci-fi B movie. (laughs) Okay. So you get in your '57 Chevy. It's electric. It's electric because, of course, course it is because Doctor uh, some anagram of Disney. Uh huh. uh, Dr. Yen Sid uh, has invented an electric automobile that's going to save the world. And there are also robot butlers, and it's great. Uh, And boom, halfway through the ride, it's a dark ride section, Aliens Land. It's about transportation in general now, because they're like, let us show you the future of our transportation and, and your car gets zapped into space, and you go on like a fun space drive. Okay. Alice?
1: All right, that sounds fun. Why not?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and your robot butler's like, Mm, sir, I don't know if this is going to go well. And you're like, I'm a cool space rockabilly. I can do whatever I want, and it's awesome.
1: All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's make it.
0: Okay, uh, so we're just going to finalize those plans here. Let me do a little bit of typing. Okay, uh, I sent it over to Walt Disney Imagineering, so uh, we should hear back in the next 20 minutes or so.
1: Perfect. (laughs) In the meantime, uh, shall we wrap up this episode?
0: Yes. Well, Alice, (laughs) you know, it took us a second, but it seems like our conversation about Autopia, futurism, retrofuturism has all come to an end.
1: But the conversation does continue on the internet. Wow. The the
0: internet? What is that? (laughs) Is that like a...
1: uh, It's a very cool, futuristic uh, way of communicating with people all over the world.
0: You know, Alice, I hear that in the future you can go down to your uh, local library and you'll be able to uh, go into their (laughs) computing room and you'll be able to run, like, large numbers and sums and stuff like that. Um, All in in the comfort of your own local town. Every town will have a computer um, in the future. That's That's amazing.
1: But in the meantime, yeah. you can use your uh, smartphones or laptop computers to access the <laughs> <laughs> access thosehappyplaces.com or even our Patreon, patreon.com slash thosehappyplaces, where you can support the show monetarily, if that's what you're into.
0: Yeah, uh, it's because of the generous uh, support of our patrons that we are able to do really cool things with the show. So thank you all for supporting us. But even if you don't support us monetarily, we greatly appreciate all of your support. Online, uh, just telling people about the show or even just listening to us. We appreciate you.
1: Big special thanks to Charles Gustine, uh, special patrons, Charles Gustine, who uh, is uh, just the coolest.
0: Yeah. And who, who is at a tier where we say his name on the show. Thank you, Charles Gustine of (laughs) iconography podcast. (laughs) Um, Alice, you know, I feel like I'm going to put some extra music into this episode.
1: I bet you'll put some very cool futuristic music in at this episode, courtesy of uh, Kevin McLeod himself.
0: Yeah, Kevin McLeod put all of his music online on Incompetech.com and put it all under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. Thank you so much, Kevin. The track list for this episode is in the description. Alice, right now, I think our listeners are about to hear our theme music start to rev up.
1: Our theme music is the wonderful song Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Alvin. You can find this and all other tracks on California Yeah.
0: And you know what, Alice? Uh, I, I can't wait to have a longer conversation about this on Twitter or on our Discord. Yeah, the listeners know that they can find me at Buddy underscore Duquesne on Twitter. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E.
1: And you can find me at Alice T H P for those happy places on uh, Twitter or on Instagram. And if you hit us up on any of those platforms, you can also get a link to our Discord server where our conversations are not limited by character count. And uh, yeah, we've been having some really great uh, conversations about Disney, uh, Universal, uh, Six Flags, Knott's Berry Farm. You'll uh, find us... Uh, thread just for that on our discord server so if that sounds like something you're into let us know
0: alice thank you so much for doing this episode with me
1: buddy thank you so much for being the best co-host a girl could ask for and the best friend
0: oh no i i i'm sure you could ask for a better friend (laughs) never Uh, (laughs) and to everyone out there thank you for listening and we hope you return to those happy places